This is Public Hearing, an Auburn City News podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm Elizabeth Hurley, Community Editor for the Plainsman. And I'm Evan Meelans, Assistant Community Editor for the Plainsman. Well, Evan, I hope you had a good break, ready to get back, I guess, into the swing of things. Yeah, you know, it was a really, really good break, but uh, by the end of it, I was ready to come back to Auburn. (laughs) (laughs) Surprisingly, you know, you you can have too much of a break. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. Well, of course, with it being the first full week of the new year, comes the first city council meeting of the year. Yay. Yep. Fun. Um, while the agenda wasn't too lively, the crowd definitely was. But um, before we get into any of that, let's start back at the Committee of the Whole, which is the meeting before all the council members start the official council meeting. Right. So during the Committee of the Whole, the council made three nominations to the Board of Zoning Adjustments and one to the Waterworks Board. Uh, these nominations all passed and were later approved in the council meeting. And the bulk of the committee of the whole meeting was spent discussing questions from Ward 2 Councilmember Kelly Griswold. Yes, Mr. Griswold mentioned uh, that he thought the city should look into creating procedures for naming city facilities, such as buildings, parks, or rooms within buildings. (laughs) He noted that the city does not currently have any written procedures in place, and with several facilities coming online in the next few years, he felt now is a good time to look at creating procedures so that they're ready to use when those new facilities do open. He asked that the council direct city staff to do some research on what procedures in other cities kind of look like and uh, just kind of where they can go from there. So right now, is our system more of just we name these places as we go and we just like kind of come up with someone? Yeah, kind of. um, There haven't been too many. I think, um, I mean, I can probably count on one hand the amount of city facilities that that have like a name after a person like the Jan Dempsey Center. um, Frank Brown. yeah, Yeah. Those are and far between okay so right now it's kind of just an informal uh i think we want to name this after this person go from there there is there are parks obviously that are named after people okay but most of those parks um which they noted in the meeting they're named after the person that donated the land or the money or something to get that park to be a park and that's usually within the donation agreement is that we'll we'll give you this land but (laughs) you gotta name it after (laughs) me (laughs) okay okay um so other council members, like Mayor Ron Anders, he said he's been on the council for seven years, and naming buildings, like you said, it doesn't really come up <laughs> quite that often. Uh, in fact, he's yet to be part of a decision like that. As far as he knows, previous councils have not had an issue when it comes to naming a building. City Manager Jim Buston also noted that previous councils, like I said, have more have had more of an informal process where council members met and discussed who they'd like to name a building after, and they would also take into consideration any citizen groups that approach the council with a name uh, nomination. Then the council usually just takes a vote at a council meeting, kind of like they would like a resolution or right. something, and the building is now named. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the council ended up being pretty split on this issue. They voted five to four to not have city staff research the procedures of other cities. The council members that voted to not ask city staff to perform that research mostly agreed that they felt the city's current informal plans work fine should the need to name a building arise. Uh, those council members were Ward 3 Council Member Beth Witten, Ward 4 Council Member Brett Smith, Mayor Ron Anders, Ward 7 Council Member Jay Hovey, and Ward 8 Council Member Tommy Dawson. Those are the ones that voted to not research other Right, but it is good to note that um, Ward 8 Council Member Tommy Dawson did suggest that council members do a little uh, digging on their own, mm-hmm. and he said he kind of asked the council to just go home and Google it. Yeah. <laughs> and see what they can come up with, and then they could possibly talk about it at a later date. Right. 
So moving into the actual council meeting, since it was, of course, the first meeting of the month, that means the council recognized several city employees for their years of city service and special achievements. And among those special achievements, one was actually for the uh, director of the Food Bank of East Alabama, Martha Hank, um, back in December. We, there was actually the city declared Martha Hanks Day, um, wow. which is nice. She's actually been the director of the food bank since 1995, and she's helped expand their um, their distribution and their facilities to an almost insane amount. Yeah. And um, they're actually opening a new facility later this year. And the one of the members of the board of directors for the food bank came, and he said that the board of directors decided to name the facility after her. Wow. So, that. Talking that's about awesome. naming buildings and naming yeah. a building. So that wasn't the city that made that decision. That's since it's a privately owned uh-huh. thing by the um, food bank. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it is. City manager Jim Buston also gave his annual report on the Rebuild Alabama Act. State law requires that the city manager give the council a report every January on how much money the city received from that act and what it was spent on. Since the act only came online recently, <laughs> the city has not received any funds yet. But city manager Buston says he expects the city to receive its first round of funds later this month. Uh, Two council members removed items from the consent agenda. Or two council member Kelly Griswold removed an item for a contract with Gonzalez Strength and Associates Incorporated. The contract provides signage and wayfinding at the Public Safety Building, Douglas J. Watson Municipal Complex, uh, the Parks and Recreation Facilities, and Parks and Wayfinding for downtown and costs $55,500. So this contract provides a template for signage and wayfinding materials, which can then be used for other city facilities later on. But it also is going to help uh, help them to make them for those ones, like uh, Evan mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Council Member Griswold says that he felt the price tag was a little high for something that could be more of a Boy Scout or Eagle Scout project. Ward 4 Council Member Brett Smith and City Manager Jim Buston both pointed out that the signs must comply with the Americans with Disabilities Act which Councilmember Smith says might be a little difficult for the Boy Scouts to do. The contract did ultimately pass. Okay. So when they take something off the consent agenda, it's discussed with the entire council and it's voted on separately. Right. Right. So anytime something's removed, they'll have to talk about it and then vote on that issue individually. Mm -hmm. And then once we go through all the ones that were removed, then we can get onto the consent agenda. All right. So Ward 3 Councilmember Beth Witten removed the consent agenda item for a memorandum of understanding with Auburn University for the sidewalk and lane closures related to the Northeast Campus Utility Expansion and the Tony and Liberane Culinary Science Center project. She mainly wanted to discuss the timeline for this project. Yeah, so this is going kind of, if, if our listeners know, where uh, Cambridge Residence Hall okay. is. It's kind of over in that area there. And so City Manager Jim Buston says that the full project is going to take roughly about two years to complete. But the section of Thatch Avenue between North College and Gay Street, which borders the project, will only be fully closed for about four months this spring. The rest of the time of the project, only parts of Thatch will be closed, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. one side of the street, one's just the sidewalk, something like that. The memorandum of understanding was approved. Okay. So ultimately, both of those uh, items that were taken off the consent agenda, they did, they did pass. Um, and then council members went on to approve the entire consent agenda which included one alcohol beverage license, two more contracts and agreements, two easements, and four board and commission appointments, which were nominated at the Committee of the Whole earlier. One interesting note from the consent agenda was that the council approved the purchase of 560 rollout carts for the recycling program. City Manager Jim Buston says that with this purchase, the city will have an 85% adoption rate of the recycling program. Oh, that is great. And that was something that only got rolled out 
a couple years ago. Yeah. So that's very high. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's good news. Um, the only ordinance of the evening was one to amend the city code. This new ordinance would make it a crime to trespass in motor vehicles. Uh, Mayor Anders asked the city manager to speak about the need for this ordinance, but since Auburn Municipal Judge Jim McLaughlin was in the audience, he actually spoke about it instead. Yes, and boy, was it an interesting story. <laughs> so uh, Judge McLaughlin said that there, over the past couple of months, there's been a man that has been um, in different parts of the community uh, going up to people in their cars and saying, like, hey, my car's broken down uh, down the street down there. Would you mind uh, giving me a ride to it and helping me, like, you know, jumpstart my right. car. And most of these people are nice. They're, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, I'll help you out. Get in and I'll give you a ride. And he said that soon after they start driving, they realize that he does not have a car down the road. Uh-huh. And he is using them, as Judge McLaughlin said, as their his own personal Uber. <laughs> and so he said what's been happening is that you get these, uh, he said it's mostly college students that it's been affecting mm-hmm. and that they'll get, you've, you've got these, called them terrified college students with a man in their car that they can't get rid of. Yeah. And there's not much that the police can do because mm. there's no, all all the state laws only specifically state prop, like any type of trespassing is for like real estate property, right. like a house or an apartment or something. So what this ordinance does is it allows them to do something. Mm-hmm. While it came about because of this specific situation, yeah. it would actually apply anytime there's some type of trespassing related hmm. to cars that's not necessarily breaking and entering because they did you know invite him in the car technically but then they can't right so in that situation he could be charged with something even though they invited him right so that he they would be able to charge him with this ordinance and so the punishment for violating this ordinance is the typical uh ordinance uh violation which is up to 500 hundred dollar fine and up to six months in the county jail oh okay um this ordinance would apply to everybody in the city um, and that's whether they're a resident of Auburn or not, right. uh, even though it was mainly created to help with this one specific circumstance. Um, so Judge McLaughlin also noted this, that this ordinance could be used by police to help in situations where individuals walk around parking lots, shaking door handles, trying to find an unlocked car. Uh, the ordinance was approved and adopted unanimously. After some laughs, I would say, yeah. at the very odd situation. <laughs> <laughs> so at the count... At- at the end of each council meeting, citizens have three minutes to address the council on anything that they wish. At Tuesday night's meeting, this is where most of the commotion came from, as several community members spoke about the closing of the Health Plus Fitness Center, especially the heated pool. Right. So community members said that the closing was a big shock to them, and they were hoping that the city could talk to the hospital who owns a fitness center to see if they could leave it open until the city is able to find a similar facility or allow the city to lease the facility. Those were some ideas that were tossed around by both council members and community members. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the main thing that people wanted was that they wanted to be able to continue with the uh, water therapy and the water, uh, the aquatic classes that they offer, like water Zumba. Right. Um, they said that it off- that those type of classes and therapy can help with things like ALS and arthritis. Um, council members said that they want to help. And that they're saddened by the closing, but unfortunately, they don't know if there's much, if anything, that they can do. Um, they already had uh, city manager Jim Boston said that he had already spoken with the hospital um, when the closing was first announced because they were not aware of it at all until it became public. Yeah. Um, but they said they'll call again and see, but they don't know if yeah. anything 
can be done because it's part of an expansion project of the hospital. And so they're getting rid of the fitness center to add essentially more, you know, patient seeing rooms, more more insert medical things here, that (laughs) kind of stuff. And they are rebuilding the fitness center, but but it's going to be smaller and it's not going to have a pool. pool. So that's why the pool was the main concern. Right. So Mayor Anders said that the Parks and Rec Master Plan, um, it did take into account that Health Plus was there. uh, And now a year into the plan, it's not there anymore. Yeah, so big game changer. And he was um, he mentioned that his father actually used the facility quite often over the last couple of years. Um, and he said he knows that the fitness center there is more like a community and it's not just a place to work out. It's, yeah. you know, you have friends there that you come to know because you see them every day. And so right. he was he was said he was very sad about the closing and he was going to give them the hospital mm-hmm. a call to see what, if anything, could be done. Yeah. So within the Parks and Rec master plan um, is a plan to build two new pools. Wait, was that confusing with the way I worded that? No, I don't think so. Okay. So within the Parks and Rec master plan is a plan to build two new pools. Um, that's including one indoor pool, an aquatic center that's similar to the Opelika Sportsplex. This would actually be over by the Boykin Community Center. Okay. And City Manager Jim Buston said the plan is kind of unclear. At the moment, it's kind of just a plan for an aquatic center. Um, mm-hmm. They, the specifics are to be worked out as the plan, you know, works through. And so, in theory, the council could make this to, into be, you know, they could make it a heated pool because a right. lot of what they mentioned was that they needed the pool to be eighty-five degrees. So they, the council, could vote to say that pool is going to be a heated indoor pool at eighty-five degrees. Okay. Um, but his main point was that. Though they could do a lot of the things that the citizens were asking for, like the 85 degrees and offering, you know, fitness classes, they wouldn't, the city would not really be able to provide the water therapy because yeah. that's something that needs to be provided by a health facility, which the city is not. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they're going to start at, let's just give the hospital a call and see mm-hmm. what they say. <laughs> so we're really just still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Look out for that one. Well, that's about it for today. We hope that all of our listeners learned a little bit more about the first city council meeting of the year and more about their local government. Yeah, uh, this was a, like you said, the plan, there wasn't much in the plan itself, but mm-hmm. that citizens uh, open forum, that was that was pretty exciting. A lot of uh, important things came up, like the, like the pool. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's something that, you, I mean, you can look at an agenda and be like, there's nothing on here, there's mm-hmm. nothing important, but... There were, I'd say, at least 20 people that were there for the pool to talk about the pool. At least 10, 12 of them got up there and spoke about it. And the rest were there just to, you know, support and show that they cared about an issue. So, you know, you could show up at a meeting thinking nothing's going to happen, but then the whole audience is full because they they Mm want to talk about something that's not on the (laughs) agenda. As a reminder, the Council and Planning Commission do have some big votes coming up, including the uh, moratorium on purpose-built student housing and an ordinance to regulate short-term rentals. The Plainsman will be right there for you getting all the information you need. Pick up a print copy Thursday mornings or visit theplainsman.com for 24-7 news. We'd like to thank Weagle for allowing us to borrow their studio. You can find our podcast and other Plainsman podcasts on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Hurley. And I'm Evan Mealing. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Auburn Plainsman's network of podcasts. Join us next week for the next episode of Public Hearing.